I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, the Trenton Watford drama is over. I still don't believe you. <laughs> and, Seriously. And, oh, it's been ongoing forever. But like as expected, over the past month or so, Trendon Watford commits to Will Wade and LSU this past week. Within 24 hours of Watford's commitment, Alabama announces the signing of JUCO All-American James Rojas. Brad, I, I don't think Nate Oates and staff ever viewed Rojas like he was a backup plan, but Nate Oates put himself in a position within two months of accepting the Alabama job where he had a JUCO All-American in his back pocket just in case a McDonald's All-American chose another school. <laughs> I mean, isn't that just one hell of a problem to have? <laughs> I, I mean, there's been times under previous staffs where Alabama didn't even have a full roster. <laughs> I know. It seems like last year was one of them. <laughs> like, there's uh, specifically a couple times under Anthony Grant, that, like, their allotted scholarships were not all taken. But I do not foresee that being an issue with Nate Oates. And I also don't think this is a situation where they're taking a guy just to fill that spot. No. I mean, Rojas, how long have we been talking about him? You know, five, six weeks now? Mm -hmm. And over the last two to three weeks, it's become more clear with not only trending based on the information we knew at the time, but also with James potentially filling that last spot. And, you know, you and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago on an episode of the difference between Rojas and Watford and waiting and things like that. I mean, honestly, I think it was the best of two evils in terms of which way things could have gone, uh, could have gone. Yeah. Like just to give everyone an idea of what to expect from James Rojas. He's a six, eight forward. He averaged 19 points per game at Hutchinson community college last season, which is one of the more prominent JUCOs. Something that jumped out at me his adjusted points per 40 minutes of game time is 29.4 points per game so yeah uh he shot over 50 percent from the field three point percentage is right at 40 percent he averaged 6.8 rebounds 2.2 assist something else that stood out 80 percent free throw shooter does that does, oh, oh, baby. does that go down to 60 like the, the second he walks through the front door at coleman or do you think that holds oh I do not. It's like a damn kicker. I, I'm not getting my hopes up. <laughs> he's a multifaceted contributor. Uh, when you watch him, he runs the court well. He's comfortable with the ball in his hands. There's a lot to look forward to with James Rojas. And, and Brad, I thought, and I think you did too, once the Watford and Rojas drama ended and we got clarity on that last remaining spot, that that would spell the end of the 2019 class. Apparently, that is not the case because Nate Oates. It just, uh, it's pretty strange territory to be in with a coach like our coach. Uh, Villanova transfer and former McDonald's All-American. I feel like I've said, I've said McDonald's All-American a lot on this podcast. I just hope Coach Oates gets a damn uh, sponsorship from McDonald's <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but Javon Quinterly named Alabama in his top four alongside Arkansas, Georgia, and Pitt. 
Uh, Javon Quinterly was just a, a freshman at Villanova last season, so he'd sit a year and still have three years of eligibility afterwards. He's a former five-star, top 30 player in the country. He was originally committed to Arizona, uh, so he's not a good decision maker, but he he did bail on uh, Sean Miller once those allegations all kind of became public. Who knows how much he got paid to be committed to Arizona <laughs> to begin with, but probably a good idea to leave that situation he is planning a visit to Alabama. So this is a legitimate option for Nate Oates, and it would obviously be a massive signing. But the only downside to this is assuming Tevin Mack takes his name out of the draft, Alabama has zero remaining scholarships available. So that means only one thing. Well, somebody got to go. Someone, oh. someone has got to go. And I'm not so sure even if Tevin Mack took his name out, is he still going to be at Alabama? Yeah, I think – I mean, I guess that's a good question, but I feel like if he what if if that was an option, he would have also put his name in the transfer portal, kind of like kind of like R.J. Cole did. Yeah, and see, this is why you're the front runner of the show because uh, <laughs> I just throw shit against the wall. Um, but no, I, I, there's been a name that's been brought up for, basically since after the first week Coach Oates took the job. In terms of, I'm sorry, you're uh, you're the first name out, so. I'm wondering if old uh, JDF is going to be the guy in this case. If push comes to shove, he gets pushed and shoved out. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, but you cannot tell someone as talented as Javon Quinterly. No, like if it, if he wants to play at Alabama, you accept his commitment and then you figure it out from there. And and them even allowing him to visit with no scholarships available, I'd say they probably feel the same way. Yeah, it's pretty telling. Yeah, who who knows who it's going to be, but it's, it's got to be someone. It, it was not also Brad. It was not just basketball to get big news on the recruiting trail. Nick Saban and the football program they reel in a a pretty significant commitment this week as well. Wide receiver Thayu Jones Bell committed to Alabama on Monday night. Jones Bell is the 105th ranked prospect in the country according to the composite rankings. 24/7 has him 85th overall in the rankings. Those are both pretty lofty rankings, and there's no shame in hovering around the top 100, obviously. But I have a feeling those are going to change for him soon. Yeah, so another Miami-based wide receiver coming to Alabama. Why do I feel like this is just a guaranteed success story? <laughs> they've had they've had some pretty good uh, some pretty pretty good pulls from that area. This guy, he, he's got a lot of pressure coming in. You know, he and Coach Oates should go, uh, go grab some lunch because uh, they got a lot of pressure they're going to be stepping into because you're coming out of there with guys like Jerry, Judy, Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper. So, yeah, you know, no sweat. Uh, he's listed at 5'11", 187. He, if you watch him on film, he almost looks like a running back. <laughs> and when you, when you watch his tape, it's pretty easy to see why he's been a priority for Nick Saban through this cycle. He's playing against some of the best competition in the country in South Florida. Uh, and he, he kind of eases past everyone on deep routes. The best way I can describe watching him is he is somehow smooth and electric both at the same time. Does that, if that makes sense at all? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking disco to me, man. <laughs> His cuts are deadly. I wouldn't say like a Jerry Judy level uh, cutting ability, but that that's only one person that's able to do that. Yeah, He's really tough to bring down. He's already a gifted route runner. I think Jones Bell is going to flirt with five-star status by the time signing day uh, arrives. Well, I'm glad the, uh, the staff jumped on him early. And then I'm also glad we were able to get somebody that Clemson didn't. <laughs> hey, well, they, hey, they have to leave the scraps for someone. 
I'm telling you, I mean, we are, uh, we're very blessed that Dabo at least extended some type of, uh, sympathy towards us to allow <laughs> us to get him. <laughs> they got what, another top 10 recruit in the nation too. I don't, I can't remember like what, what week this is, if it was this week or last week, but I, I think they're going to have like the top 20 recruits in America by the time <laughs> February gets here. Yeah. At this point, they just need to update the top uh, 250 players minus Clemson's uh, commitments. <laughs> so, but as far as Jones Bell goes, there, there's some tape of him at the opening camp in Miami and really only the best of the best even get invited to the regional opening camps. Mm-hmm. So he's he's paired against some really talented defensive backs there, and you, you get kind of a field-level view of how tough he is to match up against, and he creates a lot of separation very quickly and in several different ways. And I think this is kind of the identity of the type of wide receivers that they have been recruiting over the past four or five years now. Yeah, and I would say, you know, going out on a limb here, that it's uh, it's kind of paid off. Okay, how is this for a stat? Th- this is sort of mind-blowing to me. His junior year, he scored 17 touchdowns on 38 catches. Jesus. <laughs> Almost half of his touches go for touchdowns. I mean, he's got a Ted Williams percentage there. <laughs> that The first thing that popped in my mind was, like, Eddie, you remember when Eddie Jackson was at, at Alabama and it felt like every time he touched the ball, he scored? Yeah. <laughs> like, even though he wasn't on offense, it's like somehow the ball always ended up in his hands mm-hmm. and he always scored. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's freaking – that is unreal. First guy I thought of to compare him to was Sammy Watkins. Maybe that's a lofty comparison uh, on my end. I think Sammy Watkins is like an inch or two taller, but they both kind of have that stocky build and the style of play, Brad, I'm telling you. I went back and watched Sammy Watkins' junior film because I was like, maybe I'm crazy here. But I'm telling you, they have identical games. If uh, he's anything like Sammy Watkins, minus the suspensions, we're going to be doing pretty good. <laughs> and the injuries. Don't forget those. Well, yeah. You know, I was more or less referencing to Dabo always doing things the right way. Um, <laughs> so, Wes, before we take a commercial break, I wanted to give everyone a heads up of what you and I kind of have in the fold right now going on behind the scenes over the summer. Um, the next few months of what we're going to be doing uh, for the podcast and guests and everything like that. So what we're going to try to do is throughout this dead period of no football until fall practice is we're going to try to take a look on a couple different episodes at individual teams that could be threats to Alabama, uh, like Georgia, Clemson, so on and so forth. And we're going to have guests on, you know, to spend an episode on each team and break down the outlook and, you know, just the entire team as a whole. Uh, Also, Wes and I will have Phil Steele on again this summer. Uh, We're looking forward to that as well. And you may or may not see our pretty faces on uh, SEC Network for the SEC Media Days. Uh, So stay tuned for that one as well. Um, But we want to give everyone a heads up. If there's any team or anybody that you'd like us to, you know, bring up or dedicate an episode to, we'd love to hear from you. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Brad, we have some quick hitters before we wrap up with uh, scheduling scheduling announcements about Greg Byrne, uh, softball team entering the Super Regional against Texas. But we did want to touch on Deontay Wilder <laughs> nearly killing a guy last weekend. I tell you what, I I've always heard and, and sometimes used maybe not full fully to the effect of you guys want to see a dead body, but Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, I literally heard I don't have a soul as a ginger. I heard that dude's soul leave his body. Oh, I, I was honestly I thought that he might not be okay when it happened. <laughs> I mean, it was one of the no. most brutal things I've ever seen in my life. Oh my god. It was so bad. It made just all the wimps at Sports Illustrated do a three-minute clip interview at the round table. Oh, did he hit him too hard? Oh, it's like, what the... I'm sorry. I didn't realize boxing had a limit to the hit. But, I mean, Deontay just... My God. He has dominated boxing for a decade now. And I really hope Anthony Joshua will quit being a damn coward and actually step up to the plate and get this done. I can't believe that they had that segment. They literally presented the question, it was that good for boxing? Do you know how many times that clip got played and how it, how many times it got sent out on Twitter and Facebook and every social media platform there is and people just wide-eyed looking at it? How could that possibly be bad for boxing? Yeah, if anything, it's the exact opposite because boxing now does not have the same sentiment as boxing 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. So you finally get a brutal knockout in the first round, a guy who is undefeated and you know has 39 knockouts coming into the fight. I mean, how is this not good for boxing? <laughs> I mean, highlight reel knockouts are a positive for boxing 100% of the time, period. Uh, I had a watch party at my house, uh, <laughs> the shortest watch party of all time. <laughs> you know, so everyone showed See, that's up. That's <laughs> why you pregame. Yeah. Yeah, everyone showed up basically to just watch him tee off on Dominic Brazil. So that was the, the shortest party of all so time. So glad that was not a $100 pay-per-view event. Uh, Brad, if I didn't know any better moving on, I think Greg Byrne is purposely trying to spite UCF through his scheduling. I got to admit, I'll have to go to the Library of Congress to confirm this, but I do think this is the first ever confirmed existence of a troll who is also a ninja. <laughs> if you, do you remember the, when the UCF fans bought a billboard in Tuscaloosa oh, ch- challenging Alabama to a home-and-home home series? And that, that kind of became a topic for a while after that billboard went up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 Danny White in his little closet space office, you know? <laughs> so so instead of scheduling UCF, Greg Byrne has scheduled a two-for-one series with Central Florida's biggest rival, USF. And that begins in 2023 with Alabama <laughs> traveling to Tampa Bay. And the South Florida fans are absolutely eating this up. I, I've been on all the replies and mentions on social media. Uh, they are loving it. They get Alabama to travel to them. They get to throw it in the face of UCF fans. Alabama fans, they think it's hilarious. This is like an Andre the Giant-sized middle finger to UCF from multiple angles. Like, Greg Byrne is double-birding them right now. Oh, absolutely. You know, and this has probably been ongoing for a couple months. I really hope not only, number one, Greg didn't reach out 
to UCF in any capacity. And then number two, Danny White, the athletic director of UCF, caught wind of it and tried to reach out to Alabama, <laughs> and Greg didn't respond and left his ass on red. Yeah, now this happens on top of – you remember Alabama and Texas agreed to a home-and-home series, right? Well, Texas yep. dropped UCF from their schedule in order to add Alabama. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did not know that. That's yeah. so awesome. Yeah, so like this makes me think, and I'm 100% on board with it, that Greg Byrne has a some sort of personal vendetta against UCF, UCF and he's taking it out by, by scheduling. Well, good. I, I Look, they think everybody has a vendetta against them, so it's about damn time somebody proves it. <laughs> All right, moving on. As we're recording this, Alabama is playing their first game in the Super Regional against Texas, the softball team, and this is where Alabama getting slighted and getting that eight seed in the tournament, that's starting to come into play now. Because Texas, Texas entered the Super Regional 45-15, so clearly one of the top teams in the country. Pretty crucial game, uh, goes without saying, especially with, you know, you got to have a good performance here with who you would potentially be facing next. Yeah, uh, so there's some positive and negative. Silver lining here, Texas has not been great away from home. They're 11-5 and in true road games, 7-4 and on neutral sites. So they're only 18-9 and away from Austin. The negative... And this is what you what you were alluding to here. If Alabama wins this Super Regional and they advance to the College Softball World Series, they more than likely, barring a miracle, get number one Oklahoma in Game One. Oklahoma's fifty-two and three, Brad. Fifty-two and three, yeah. So that's like uh, this past senior class that just left Tuscaloosa in football. <laughs> yeah, that's freaking incredible. Yeah. So again, that eight seed coming back to bite them. But in all honesty, I was thinking about this. When you're, if, if you're on any team that's, that can make it to the Super Regional or in the Super Regional right now, you knew going into this tournament that in order to win a national championship, you're probably going to have to deal with Oklahoma. Yeah. So this may set up nice for Alabama. Oklahoma did just lose a game in their regional. So while it, it might not be ideal to get them right out of the gate, they're not unbeatable. And you set yourself you, you set yourself up really nicely if you can win that initial game as soon as you get to the World Series. Well, you know, going into regionals, there was you know probably a tier of what uh, three to five teams, including Alabama, Oklahoma, that you could consider you know elite, high percentage chance of making the Super Regionals. Mm-hmm. And if you could play the number one overall seed and get that out of the way, what kind of confidence does that give you for the rest of the series? Yeah, getting slighted could end up being a blessing in disguise. I hope so. I mean, typically when people disrespect the tide, it normally bites them in the ass. <laughs> or it could end up being terrible. Well, you know, <laughs> let's not, I don't know. I mean, uh, they, they have only lost three games all year. Okay, but we got to talk about, too, this freaking video clip that came out Thursday of Montana Faust oh. and her pitching training. What? My God, I have never seen that drill uh, to, to set it up. Montana Fouts is practicing pitching. There are cinder blocks da- stacked up down the middle of the plate with two like cardboard cutouts of batters on each side of the plate. And what she's trying to do is pitch the ball to try to hit the black on the plate, basically. So she has to avoid the, the batters, obviously, and she has to avoid the cinder blocks that are sitting on the plate, yet still st- still throw a strike <laughs> and this video is like a minute and a half long and she literally never hits a cinder block and she's throwing all strikes there's very few things that i've seen 
that has left me in awe. That left me in awe, especially considering how young she is, too. I mean, playing baseball, I, you know, I didn't pitch. God help me. But, you know, of course, the object is to try to, you know, throw a good pitch. I saw that this morning when you shared it. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, just put it down in the middle. And then I start seeing how just strategic and perfect on point that Montana was. I mean, she literally has a space no bigger than a square foot on each side. And she's just drilling it there. God help somebody that comes up to that plate. Uh, I mean, like, I put this on the level of... Like the level of absurdity, like when you see Steph Curry in warmups and he's draining oh, like yeah. 45 footers and he's hitting six in a row, you know, that are like pure jump shots. I put that in the same level as, as the Steph Curry warmups and just some of the absurd things that you see like pro athletes doing and the, these like elite talents. There, there cannot be that many people on this planet that can do what Montana Fouts did in that video. All I know is when she goes quail hunting, she don't take a shotgun. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.